0: Scripture this morning comes from Peter's first letter, second chapter, beginning in verse 13. We'll go all the way to the end of the chapter in verse 25. Um, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, there's one in the pew in front of you. You can turn to page 1204. Again, that's 1204 on the pew Bible. On your smartphone or in your own Bible, it's 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13. One endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if, when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps." For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Please join me in prayer. O holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So they say that as a man, when you reach middle ages, which apparently my kids have told me I've crept into old age, um, we'll still call it middle, uh, that that when you reach your middle ages, you have a choice as a man that you can either get into smoking meats or you get into history, right? Those are kind of your options. You're either diving in and becoming a Civil War expert or, or you're smoking brisket, you're smoking pork's butt. I mean, you're just going through it all. Or the history of smoked meat. I mean, there's a, there's a beautiful thing. And so uh, America a fascinating country and for many reasons, right? When you begin studying the history of it, you kind of see where I've landed. And, and so that, that America, from the moment it was founded, it was a place that meant freedom. Right? People were coming over because it meant freedom that they could practice their Christian faith from under, out from under the control of a king or a pope. That they could practice their faith as God had called them to do so. A land that was filled with new opportunities. They, the, a land that came to be filled with people who were nobodies over in faraway places to come and make themselves somebody here. And in reality, America became a home for rebels. And the truth is, we are all descendants of the culture that founded America. And that culture, when we look at it with a keen eye, we could say was established as an anti-authoritative government control culture. Right? It began by, by throwing some tea into the water. Because, in our own, because we didn't like submitting to the British king and their government. And we said, we can govern ourselves better than you can govern us from over there. And so it should come to no surprise that in 2023, people will have such feelings about the government. Now in Peter's time when he's writing, he's writing during the Roman Empire, the height of the Roman Empire. Uh, The Roman Empire, if you can remember your history lessons from back in school, the Roman Empire encompassed all of the land that that circled around the Mediterranean Sea plus more within Europe. So we're talking about northern African countries. We're talking about Middle Eastern countries, Turkey, Greece, Italy, and and all the way over France and Spain. We're talking about a full, complete empire surrounding the Mediterranean Sea. C. And Peter did not live in Rome, but he lived in Jerusalem, which was still under the control of Rome. In this letter he writes to the exiles and sojourners, while it's meant for all Christians at all times, he sent it over to what is present-day Turkey. But during that time, you guessed it, Rome was in charge. And so, as much as we like to think we're special, truly what it is, is that Peter understands what it is and what it means to be ruled over by a large government. Now, when Peter writes, his concern isn't political, Peter isn't trying to influence those in power. Peter is concerned with you as an exile and a sojourner of your faith and how you might live for God's glory. See, Peter writes earlier, just before this, when he lays out his main point for the rest of his letter about what it looks like to be set apart for God's glory That in our living, we will abstain from the passions of our flesh. And I think we can admit that uh, politics exhibits quite passionately out of us. But that we are also to keep our conduct honorable. And so now Peter dives into the subject of authority, mainly talking about government authority over us and, and other masters who might uh, lord over us and rule over us and what our relationship as Christians is to be with them. And his main point for our honorable conduct can be summed up simply by saying, Submission. Submission. That our conduct, that is considered honorable, one that, that we are to keep, that we are to be and call to as exiles and sojourners, is submission to authority, to submit to the earthly authorities over us. Now, Peter isn't concerned with the government or master's behavior. Paul manages that in some of his letters. Peter is solely concerned with our because there's a heart condition that comes with us. There's a heart condition that we hold on to that uh, uh, some call it pride, some of you may call it ego, the Bible calls it sin. And it's this sin that we believe in God, we thank him for our salvation, but he's God of everyone else and I've got myself taken care of. If we're honest, we probably walk around our lives quite a bit, just like that. I'm going to take care of myself. I know God's got everything else taken care of, but I'm going to look out for myself and see how well that goes for me. Because you know, the truth is, I know me better than anybody else. I even know what I want better, and I know how to get it faster, quicker, cheaper, whatever the case may be. Man, what a bunch of lies we tell ourselves when we're thinking that way. For it was God who formed us in our mother's wombs. It's God who knows every hair that is on the top of our head. It is God who knew us before the foundation of the world. It's impossible for us to know us better than he knows us. We're even blinded by our own sin in in thinking that we can be in control of us while God handles all of those people. That's the heart condition we struggle with. But Peter's here tells us that we're called to submit, which is difficult for us to do. We, we don't like taking orders. Here's a secret. Peter wasn't good at it either. Peter, his, his story is in his struggle that the night that Jesus was arrested, they had celebrated that Passover feast. After they finished, they sung a hymn. They went to the Garden of Gethsemane. They go up there, and, and Jesus says, I'm going to go off and pray. I need all, Peter and all of you disciples to keep watch. Jesus walks away. Peter and the disciples, they're asleep. Jesus comes back, finds out. Multiple times, there's this back and forth. If you guys can't even stay awake for me, like, it's just, it's not that long. And then soldiers come to arrest Jesus. And Peter being told by Jesus that this would happen, all of the disciples knew that he would be arrested, handed over to the authorities, he would die and three days later rise. Like he told them, I believe three times the scriptures tell us he had that conversation with his disciples. And despite having those conversations, the soldiers arrive to arrest Jesus and Peter grabs a sword, where he got the sword from, we don't know. Peter brandishes a sword, cuts off the ear of a Roman soldier. And he's the one telling us to submit to government authority. I mean, Jesus admonishes Peter. He's like, I'm so sorry, guys. I can't, please excuse his behavior. Like he's apologizing for a toddler in a grocery store throwing a fit. picks up the ear off the ground, puts it back on the soldier. Peter struggled with authority, but Peter learned from Jesus, and he calls us to learn and to live by Jesus' way too. See, he points out that that Jesus submitted to the earthly governments. He, He submitted to their authorities. But he was only able to do so because, as Peter writes, he had submitted to the one who judges justly. Meaning he had entrusted everything of himself and who he was and what he was about to God the Father. We saw it there in the garden. If you can remember the garden scene, the one where Peter chops off the ear, before that, while Jesus is off praying, he's praying, and even to the point of sweating blood, and he's praying, please, Lord, take this cup from me. But then he says, but not my will, your will. Jesus is in full submission to the Father in full and complete submission. And because he's in full and complete submission to the father, he understands that he can submit to earthly governments because the father will always work for his ultimate good. And that's where we struggle. That's where our kicker is. We struggle to submit to other earthly authorities in our life because The truth is we haven't fully submitted and entrusted ourselves to the one who judges justly. We haven't given our entire lives. We may have said we have, but in our heart, it is holding back to fully submitting to God and entrusting him with everything. For the pews you sit in, the cars you drove to get here, the house you live in at home, and the clothes you wear, and even, yes, your bodies yourself will one day turn to dust. It all will turn to dust. From dust we were created, into dust we shall return. And the only promise of salvation and the only hope we have in this life and for eternity is founded in Jesus Christ. And as long as we continue to trust ourselves, we are merely, merely trusting ourselves to hold on to things made from dust for just a moment longer. And Peter points to Jesus and said, There's a better way. Not only a better way, there's the only way that produces hope. There's the only way that gives endurance in the midst of suffering. And it first comes from entrusting fully to God. Now when Peter writes here about how we are to be with our government and how we are to be with masters and those who are over us, He doesn't concern himself with whether the the government itself is just or unjust or evil or good. Rather, it's just a call to submission. There's no call to civil disobedience, to go and march and to go and parade and to go and speak out against it. It's a call to submit to its rule and authority. And on the same level, he doesn't call to the other extreme that we are to take justice into our own hands, but to be like Jesus and to entrust to the one who judges justly. And that we are to condemn those who take that justice into their own hands and in the name of God have gone and bombed places like abortion clinics. For they too have failed in their living, honorable conduct. See, it's a call to submission that by your conduct, by doing good, you put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Now, as we go further in this life, the longer we live, we can see that there is a decay of admiration for those of us who would call Jesus Lord and Savior that there's a decay for the admiration of those who hold on to the belief that Jesus is Lord and proclaim him to be the way, the truth, and the life. Some of you may remember that there was a point in time here in America and in the communities we live that where if you were known as a Christian, someone may disagree with your beliefs, but they still believed you to be a good and moral person folks, that is changing rapidly and not for the better. Your beliefs, your faith is under attack. For in 2023, the world no longer sees and understands Christians as the moral good people in the room. But rather, we are viewed as hateful bigots. And yet, despite being reviled for our faith, we are called to stay strong in our faith, to stand firm in our beliefs. For it's Peter who writes If when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God, for to this you have been called. Did you catch what Peter's throwing out there? He says, you have been called to suffer and endure, to be, treating, to be treated poorly, for doing good, for following the truth, for holding firm to your faith. You will suffer and endure. Are you ready? Are you prepared to hold on to your faith in troubled times? Are your children and grandchildren? Are they being ready? To stand firm. See, as the church is seen as losing the moral compass of the world, so too it is the next generation falling in line and assuming that, you know, now that I'm married and have kids, I don't have to go to church in order to be a good person. That's not what's required as it once was. And that may be good or bad, because maybe at one time churches were filling full of people that just thought, if I go to church, therefore I am a good or a moral person. When the truth is, as Psalm 53 said, none of us are good. We haven't sought God on our own, but only by divine intervention of the Holy Spirit in our heart and a rebirth through Jesus Christ can we ever do good. For apart from Christ, our good works are nothing but a filthy rag. In Peter's time, Christians were killed by the government for being Christians, including Peter and the other disciples. Now, we're not at that point in our history, and the fact is that our government and country being founded by a bunch of rebels who sought freedom and liberty It continues to hold true that we can assemble here and practice our faith and live it out in the world, but it doesn't mean we are free from being reviled from the world and hated on by them, not because of us, but because of Christ. So it requires us, as Peter said, to abstain from the passions of the flesh, to abstain from malice from deceitfulness, from slander, from envy, and to keep our conduct honorable. And Peter tells us how to do that, where the source is. He says, look at Christ. He said, Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. See, we hold the name Christian like Christ, and that's the calling. That's the move, that as Christians, our lives would be lived out more and more as we mature like Christ, with gentleness, with grace, with peace, when reviled, to not revile back. Jesus was spat on, beaten, mocked. As he hung on that cross in the most excruciating suffering any of us could imagine, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He did not revile, and in suffering, he didn't threaten. He prayed for mercy on them. That's trusting God. That's a fully submitted life to the Father. And Peter is clear that that can be your life too. For when you turn your life over and fully submit to Him, because Christ died for us, You can honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor, all because he died for us, because he bore our sins on that tree, that we might die to our sin, that heart condition, and live for righteousness. For once you were straying like sheep, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. May it be so. Amen.